Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. I'm going to do it one more time. Good morning. Yay. Welcome to worship. It's so good to see everybody here. If you're a visitor with us, welcome. We were hoping you'd show up for this service. So we have these here trifolds in front of your pew there. Next, fill those out and put them in the, uh, the offering plate when it goes by. We'd love to thank you uh, for coming here. Also, you could pick up your financial giving statements for 2018 in the lobby. If you do that, you will save us a stamp. Uh, statements can, uh, will, be, will be mailed uh, next weekend. So thank you for your generosity. Also in the lobby, Mothers of Preschoolers, our MOPS group, are selling potpourri jars for $8. It's a fundraiser for their many activities. I couldn't smell them, but I assume they smell great. So pick one of those up and support a really cool ministry we have here. Financial Peace University starts this Thursday evening at 6.30. We're offering partial scholarships to all those who want to participate. So if that's something you're interested in, you're like, I don't know if I have it in the budget, very appropriate. You can learn about that budget and come to Financial Peace University. Next week is Super Bowl Sunday, as you know. Um, but here it is the Super Bowl of Caring, spelled like the word soup. So uh, we will be having our uh, donation drive for the Needs Food Pantry. Our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders will be collecting that. You'll have a chance to make your vote of who's going to win the Super Bowl, whether it be the Rams or the Patriots. Judging from now what it will be three years of them showing up, I have a sneaking suspicion the Rams table is going to be just full, full of donations. It's what happened the last two times, so I feel like we need to keep this trend going because that's really what's important is who wins the Super Bowl of caring. Yes. So also our tweens will have the uh, big soup stock pots and you can give donations. Those funds all go to the Needs Food Pantry to buy uh, supplies. We're also collecting supplies for Haiti. As you remember last year, we took a group uh, to Haiti for our first immersion trip with uh, the Haitian Tamoon Foundation, the children's foundation we work with. And we will be taking another group, this time four folks, three from Good Shepherd and one from the Edge House, which is really exciting. So we want to fill our suitcases with supplies for our partners there. And we get a list from them about what they're looking for now. And we have that list in the Our Life. It'll be in the horn. It's on a piece of paper out there. So please, pack those suitcases. We'd love to take a lot down there. Finally, you no doubt have noticed our beautiful new wall hangings we have on the walls. These are uh, works created specifically for Good Shepherd by liturgical artist Norma Fredrickson. And they were given in memory of Ray Wachesek by his family. So you can see a note in the Our Life for more information about the symbols you can find in this artwork. They're really fantastic when you get close and look at them. If you want also more details, we have a big board out front that kind of shows how it all came together. Really cool thing, another thing to just enhance our time together of the gifts that are present in this, uh, this body of believers. Uh, other than that, I think we're ready to roll. Go team! Good morning. The first reading is from Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law. 
of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8, Ezra, the priest, brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra stood on the platform full view of all the people, and when they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all our, the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of when as being, what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the, and the Levites, who were interpreting for the people, said to them, don't mourn or weep as such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping, so they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of the, of the foods and, and sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Here ends the first reading. The second reading is from the 12th chapter of Corinthians. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by the Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would not that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, not how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants, wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body had seemed weaker weakest and 
least important are actually the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra amount of care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the quality, ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let, the, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the gospel. Buzz, you didn't realize you signed up for a marathon, did you? <laughs> Who knows when you sign up for these things how long your readings will be. I am more fortunate. I only have Luke 4. So, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his, home, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And at that time, that will be the time the Lord's favor has come. He then rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant, and then he sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and he began to speak to them. The scriptures you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Here ends our reading. You may be seated. Oh, this? I'm so embarrassed. I didn't want to have to tell you about that. This is just a major chili award given out last night. At, oh, please, please.
No, well, before rumors spread, okay, Daniel from the Edge House actually should have won all three trophies because his chili was out of control good. Um, yes, to Daniel, yes, yes. But, 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 let's keep focus, guys. Um, since they wanted to spread the wealth around, uh, your three pastors of Good Shepherd won the Judge's Choice Award. So I'm not up here to talk about this incredible honor, about all the hard work that's required to win such a prestigious award. No, I'm here to talk about Jesus, about the kingdom of God. I'm here to talk about the year of the Lord's favor where the captive is set free, the blind are given sight, good news for the poor. I mean, what's more important to talk about right now in our world that can so often be defined by division or strife, fear or distrust? What's more important to discuss than the kingdom? But in one more note about that chili, real quick, just real quick, the chili that wowed judges so much that they had to give us a consolation trophy like this. Um, funny story, you may ask yourself, how did three pastors win this award? You imagine us in chef's caps over a large bowl, all three of us like the Muppets adding our, our flavors to the, no, no, no. This is what happened. This was actually the combination of three different chilies. This is the one plus one plus one equals one chili. That's a holy trinity joke. <laughs> Yes, so the Holy Trinity chili was a chili dump in essence. And when our three powerful chilies combined, there was no chance that we could be toppled except by Daniel's very good chili. Yes, but still, trophy, <laughs> trophy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really do mean to talk about Jesus. I just found this chili analogy went really well with our reading for the day. And you're like, how? Well, get ready. Here it comes. This week... We have Jesus coming back to his home synagogue. It says he's coming there with all sorts of power, the spirits upon him, because what had just happened? He'd gotten dunked, he came up, sky tore open, dove descended, baptized, drove him out into the wilderness where he was tempted, right? And he comes back and he's like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he's going to all these cities and everywhere he goes, people are blown away by his teachings. And he finally gets home. And he's returned to his home synagogue, the place where everyone would have known him. And like a good Jewish boy that he is, he stands up in good standing in his community and he wants to read the word. What a great boy that I'm Joseph and Mary's kid. He's a, so great. Here he goes. He's going to read. And he gets the Isaiah scroll and everyone's like, oh, that's the greatest hits. I'm so excited to hear the Isaiah scroll. It's so good. People could have sung this thing along in harmony. They love this text. And he gets to reading it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. And he goes, because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Yes, they say. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Oh, yeah. Recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. Everyone's just like, this is so good. This is great. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here it comes. Bring it home, bud. And then he stops. Everyone would have been mouthing along and they would have looked up. It'd be like if in the middle of Buzz's reading, he, halfway through, he just went. And you're like, where's he? Whoa, whoop, you left early. Everyone's waiting. It even says that. Why does it include the part about him rolling up the scroll, handing it to attendants, sitting down? Everyone's watching him. Why are they doing that? It's because he didn't finish. He cut the text off. He stopped reading. 
they would have known. I don't know if any, does anyone know what, else, what happens after that in Isaiah? No shame, really, no. We don't read it. But <laughs> what happens is, he says, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And he would have talked then about how no longer will we suffer the invader. No longer will our grain go to our enemies. No longer will the foreigner drink our wine. No longer. It would have been really about like, this is it, folks. It's good for us and it's bad for losers. And he would have continued. And everyone's waiting. He left out the vengeance of God. It's almost like Jesus starting off this ministry in his home synagogue. He wanted to leave out stories about God hurting our enemies as some sort of great triumph. It's almost like the rest of Jesus' ministry would be primarily focused on binding up the broken, healing the sick, eating with sinners, breaking bread with people who would have been seen undesirable. It's almost like Jesus' first point he wanted to make in his ministry is that he's all about God's mercy. He's all about God's deliverance. He's all about God's ability to raise people up. And it's not a message about how terrible our enemies are. Interesting, right? His message isn't about how wrong the whole world is and how right he is. About how terrible people can be. About how stupid people are who think differently from him. About how important it is that we do the hard work of punishing our enemies. It's important, I tell you. It's almost like Jesus' message is not about seeking out the sins of others. It's more about growing mercy. Huh. Practicing forgiveness. Healing. That hope would be a primary virtue, not vengeance. It's like Jesus would elevate the feeding of the hungry above punishing thieves. It's almost like Jesus is growing the kingdom rather than simply sussing out weeds and undesirables. It's almost like Jesus' focus will be in teaching people how to do good, how to be a reflection of light and life in the world, practicing humility instead of focusing on tensions on how to draw the biggest crowd. Coincidentally, a good way to draw a crowd is to talk about the failures of others. Interesting. The message still draws a crowd about who needs to be punished for the things that don't work out for a lot of us. Who's to blame for this? Ooh, we like rallying behind an, uh, somebody who could really identify a clear enemy. People are still waiting for the rallying cry about how terrible someone is, about how great it would be to unite under a, banisher, a banner of punishing our enemies and teaching someone a hard lesson. It's almost like the thing that gets the most attention from us is when we promise, come here and I'll tell you how we're going to put our thumb in someone's eye. Winning isn't even winning anymore. It's more about like, how do I really beat somebody? It's not about the victory. It's about the failure of someone else. And it feels so good. Admittedly, I want the Patriots to lose. <laughs> this is it. This is my sin. If Jesus were to really appease the crowd, meet their expectations, he would have said all that stuff he said, and then he would have said, here's the kicker, folks, and what you're all waiting for. God is going to punish our enemies. And everyone would have gone, oh, more. This is great. Instead, he just cuts his message short. Vengeance, it seems to have no place here. The desire to crush another, nope, punish, hurt. He'd do something different. This preaches today, right? Honestly, 
This message that perhaps it might be more fruitful to speak of good than how bad somebody or someone is. How many of us listen to the news, spend our time at work thinking about or even relishing in the potential reality that finally someone who he knows deserves a good comeuppance is finally going to get their comeuppance? How many times do we wonder if only so-and-so weren't here, if this person wasn't on the team, if this person weren't always wrecking things for me, if these people weren't always, always frustrating my sense of right and wrong. But Jesus doesn't talk like that. He omits it entirely. What are we to take from this? That the year of the Lord's favor is not defined by vengeance. It's defined, if we look at Jesus' ways, works, and words, it's defined by cooperation. It's often defined by healing, being released from the captivating concept of vengeance and revealing a new reality could exist in our midst. Their eyes and our eyes, they're all on Jesus, waiting for a story of revenge that never comes. Heck, we crucified him, right? He didn't even want revenge for that. feel like he would have had all the reason in the world. Never comes. Revenge isn't in the narrative. Punishment is not what defines the message of Christ. Exclusion, judgment, forsaking, outcasts. Nope, they're not coming into this new reality, this new year. Jesus models this, Luke shows. Jesus models this as he actually makes it real. Just as he says, it has been fulfilled now. It will be fulfilled in his ways. Not on a global scale, but at least in his way. What does he do? Jesus proclaims a new reality through persistently befriending poor people. He doesn't judge the poor. He doesn't talk about how stupid they are in the management of their resources. He doesn't talk about how absolutely appalling it is that they didn't have an emergency fund when they got laid off. No, he befriends them. He befriends the outcasts too. He doesn't direct them to another place. Go hang out with other outcasts. He actually invites them into his very midst. The little people, and I mean little, I mean kids even. People that would have had their own reason to be somewhere else. He says, you, come on down. Be here. I invite you in. He listened to them. He ate with them. He even healed the maladies of his enemies. And he kept doing it, even when it aggravated people. And for whatever reason, it really did aggravate people. I think it sometimes aggravates us now when we, some, when we see someone being too gracious, too welcoming. Why does it anger us to sometimes see radical hospitality? Extending it to undesirable people, people who decide don't deserve it. My guess is it's the same sentiment now as it is then. That We should be honest, sometimes it angers us. But Jesus keeps on. He kept on and kept on and kept on until he finally fell victim to that same desire for revenge. When the powerful, when the influential, the people who benefited most from the demonizing of the poor, demonizing of the outcast, the sinner, the other, the foreigner, whose sin's really worse, they finally said, enough. They nailed him to a cross. And as we know, he doesn't respond with vengeance. We know how the week went. He calmly walks towards death, stopping along the way to heal a slave whose ear got cut off in his arrest. He comforts people who are mourning for him. He asks forgiveness for his murderers. And then he encourages his fellow condemned who are being crucified alongside him. In those moments, we are seeing the year of the Lord's favor being fulfilled, the realization of what he said at the beginning. I hope we hear this omission in Jesus' teaching loud and clear. 
Vengeance ain't in there. I, really, I want you to hear it. And I don't actually think that's too wild of a concept what I'm talking about. In fact, you can see it in this prestigious Chili Award. Brought it back. Brought it back. <laughs> this chili, this chili was about three different chilies getting mixed up together, adding to the flavor. There was some hesitancy, yes. Will the ingredients meld well together? Will this be disgusting, they ask? But no, this would not be an endeavor where we sought to identify which ingredients are not welcome in this chili. As much as I want to say, it's not about telling Heidi. And Heidi, I believe it. Celery shouldn't be in chili. This isn't, this isn't about my judgment perhaps on me. Maybe chocolate chips shouldn't be put in there. But I did it. <laughs> no, it was about adding good to good. It was seeing what good can come when we put good on good. That's the kingdom of God. That's the year of the Lord's favor. That's the good news. Is not a message of omission, of punishment, of revenge, of exclusion. It's one of welcome. It's one of favor. It's one of healing and freedom. And when those things become our focus, when our focus is about adding to good things that Jesus modeled for us, ooh, guys, it's really good. It's really good. It'll undoubtedly capture, it will ensnare our senses, our attention, more than any message of vengeance, anger, and punishment. A message that, mind you, always, as Paul leaves it, leaves somebody out and suffering. This is not a message that leaves anyone in the outer darkness gnashing and weeping. This is a beautiful thing we can make together. When we focus on the good news... When we focus on befriending the poor. When we focus on befriending the outcast. Befriending the sinner. Feeding the hungry. And the hardest part, perhaps omitting like Jesus, a desire for vengeance. If we can do that, when we practice that, I think we'll be surprised at how good it can be. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence. <laughs>